You should come over for game night. I've got a great new social deduction slash area control RPG with added deck building and worker placement mechanics, but with a bit of a commodity speculation twist. You'll love it. Hey, it's easier than the first edition of D&D. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Grognards. For the Grognards, I'm Dean Geiken. I'm Eric Hawley. And I'm Greg Ziegler. And once again, we have a guest in the studio. We don't have guests that often, but we've got another one. You remember him from, oh my gosh, it was probably, what, six, eight... Yeah, it was, it was a while ago, and he, he travels a long way to be here. So. That's right. We were talking about Gen Con, and Jimmy McGuire is back in the studio with us. Thank you for joining us, Jimmy. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, always have a great time here. Good. Welcome, Jimmy. So, uh, we, uh, as always, we like to uh, talk about games, D&D in particular, but we also like to throw in a little segment that we've started now called Games People Play, where we talk about things that we've done that are outside the realm of Dungeons & Dragons. Okay, so guys, what have you uh, done in the last week or so? Well, and you yourself included, Jimmy. Yeah, so uh, I did my typical Adventures League run. We finally finished the uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist. You did? Yeah, okay. Well, that was good. And we got Dungeon of Mad Mage waiting to go, but it's uh, uh, we're not going to have a, a session tonight, unfortunately, because of holiday. Did you ever uh, get that uh, Adventure League uh, one that you had to make up? On um, your own? I, I, that's... That's on my computer as we speak. Uh-huh. I need to finish up some maps and such, so um, that'll be be done hopefully at the end of the weekend. But here's the thing. I knew we were having this podcast, and I knew Dean's going to give Greg and I a hard time about <laughs> playing games other than Dungeons & Dragons, so I brought something so we can cram. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. When he pulls things out of his bag of many things, it's kind of scary. What does he got? Here you go, Greg. Uh, we got the Endless Quest books. It just came oh, out. We can nice. we can be a rogue, those are, those a wizard, awesome. a cleric, or a fighter. Quick, like go through one so we have something to talk about this podcast. <laughs> oh, the Endless Quest books, and you just picked these up from where? The uh, local game. I store? actually got the um, listing. I saw it online, and they were at Target. I went to Target that weekend. Sold out. Really? Sold out of Target, and so I went and. Um, I looked in Barnes and Noble. I didn't ask one of the salesperson because like I'm a guy. I didn't find them. <laughs> but then I just went on uh, Amazon, or I actually went to the Barnes and Noble website, and they were like eight bucks each, I think. But they mm-hmm. have them in eight ninety eight ninety nine. They also have them in hardcover, which I don't understand <laughs> because hardcover seems a bit much for these. But if anybody didn't play these back in the day, and I still have my original ones, of course um, you do. It's just like, you know, you, you play a character and it says if you if you attack the guardsman, turn to page fifty two. If you, you know, decide to run, turn to page eighty seven. And you go through the adventure. And I tell you what, if you have young kids, uh any and you're able to read, this is a great introduction. Yeah, I love is, these books when I was They're beautiful was books, too. They They've are. done a really nice job on them. Yeah, we'll yeah, make they have sure a little that, crease on the binding, too, so you don't have to worry about uh, breaking the back. Breaking the, the back, yeah. Um, we'll have to put some pictures of these up. Yeah, we'll, our, we'll do that. So, so that was my, my games people play. This these week. are really pretty cool. Um, we should probably talk about these more in length sometime. We should each play one. Yeah, maybe. And then uh, we'll have a we'll, podcast. We'll, we'll review them. And I'll bring my old ones, too. All right, fantastic. So, Greg, what nice. did you do? Well, it's, Are you still uh, fixing out or uh, figuring out your uh, Star Wars character? Yeah, we no, I, we got it all squared <laughs> away actually. And uh, when we get together next time, we are playing. So uh, awesome! awesome. So uh, Varric Eldar is ready to uh, stop crime in the Outer Rim on uh, Wahoon. 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 Yes. Okay. 
All right, very good. So, Jimmy, uh, Migs, what have you done? Um, have you had much time to, to play games? Well, here we are. We're, uh, we're, what, two, three months away from Gen Con. I'm finally getting around to... Not away from, but outside. Outside, outside. Of, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, finally getting around to something new for me is X-Wing 2.0. Nice. Uh, I, I played the original. It's hard to find people to play with, though. Hey, well, I, Eric, once. Eric is eating one of my daughter's uh, uh, chocolate yeah. chip cookies. <laughs> so I dodged I dodged 1.0 uh, just because of the whole miniatures thing. We know how that goes. Uh, it's, a, it's just a cash cow, just always the next miniature coming out. But 2.0 came out, played it at Gen Con, bought the basic set, uh, and starting to watch YouTube uh, to learn how to play. Now, um, 2.0 doesn't have miniatures? I, uh, I, it still has miniatures, but they did the smart thing, which I appreciated, and that was they kept the 1.0 miniatures, but there's a conversion box that you can buy that converts all of your 1.0 miniatures over. So my thinking is, they're smart enough to do that. Yeah. They're, they're is it the same just, scale, though? I mean, Same scale, okay. same everything, same miniatures. Yeah, people obviously. would have been furious if you <laughs> could exactly. oh, miniatures. Yes. And that so, is one of the things that I hate about when they upgrade something. you got to buy the whole package all over again. Right. So, you know, I thought, you know, they're putting the thought into it. It's Fantasy Flight, good stuff. Uh, so I've got the basic. I've uh, been watching YouTube, learning how to play. We've got a couple of game stores in Springfield that mm-hmm. uh, actually have tournaments. So I'll be signing up for the next tournament starting December 9th. And, and getting my rear end kicked. I'm I was sure. going to say, you're probably going to get your butt handed to you by a 13-year-old. That is huge at some conventions I've been yes. to. And those players look very serious. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yes well, yes. all the new game aids that they have out for it. There's so much money being thrown at this game. It's, it's A lot of younger guys. I would have expected, you know, grognardy types. But I see like like young 20s, mid-20s playing that game. Well, right. it's, it's it's learning how to fly is a big part of it, and uh, learning that. So, yeah, uh, if we get back sometime in the next six months again, I'll have a report. Okay, fantastic. Cool. Well, I uh, did play a couple of games over the last time that we spoke together. Um, I've been hosting a game night at one of the local eatery pubs. Yeah, I, I thought about going to one of those. I saw I, your announcement. I would really like it if you guys did come up sometime. I think you'd have a good time because we played Carcassonne, which is a very easy-to-play, easy-to-learn game. No, no, I like that game. Uh, yeah. Eric, we've played with Eric. Okay, yeah, I and, own that one. I and own that game. I've never played. Oh, Jimmy. It's, it's a real simple, <laughs> simple mechanics, but complicated strategy. Yes, yes. You'll pick it up very quickly in terms of the strategy, or at least what you think you should be doing for a strategy within the first three placements of the tiles and such. So we did Carcassonne uh, at the uh, local eatery in my hometown, and um, I also uh, have been reading up on the rules to Avalon Hills Africa Core, which I'm going to be playing over the weekend. Ooh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's that's been kind of cool. And um, uh, Memoir 44. I played a, uh, a two-person game of Memoir 44, which is kind of my go-to game. So. Yeah, I saw your announcement for the local convention there. Yeah, I'm also getting ready to uh, over, and we are recording this just before the Thanksgiving holiday, but over the Thanksgiving and uh, Christmas holidays, I plan on doing a lot of playtesting for the upcoming Winter War convention. So, uh, anything else to add for our Games People Play segment? No, let's talk about old games. All right, so let's get into our regular podcast. You're not mad we didn't want to play miniatures tonight, are you? We all really wanted to play D&D and finish that big fight we started last week? Not at all. Oh, wow, you're taking it much better than we expected. I guess we were worried for nothing. 
I think last week I was in front of the army and about to attack the enemy commander with my battle axe. Is he close enough for me to move and attack this round? Well, he is in front of his army. Are you just going to run right into the entire enemy force? I was sort of assuming our guys would follow me into battle to keep the mooks busy while I traded blows with their leader. Well, that could happen. Why don't you make a morale check to see if they follow? Okay, they decide to follow you. Now let's cross-index your unit's attack factor against the enemy's defense rating, adding in their entrenchment bonus and subtracting out their experience level of green. Roll 2d6 and tell me the results so we can determine how many unit casualties you inflict. Are you sure you aren't mad we didn't want to play miniatures tonight? Oh, by the way, Rommel's 88s took out your tank. What? No. So I think I'm going to take the dice away from Greg and uh, run this session. So oh, I hate losing dice. Yeah. Greg, did you have these dice in your mouth? I'm not saying. <laughs> anyway, okay, we are going to be talking about tabletop games. And tabletop games are... <laughs> tabletop. If, if Greg ever goes to prison and has dice, don't touch them. <laughs> Oh my gosh, uh, there's that tangent that Eric always takes us off on, and sometimes it's the good one, and sometimes it's not. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure which category, that might be both on that one. Yes, exactly. I think that's crossover yeah. category. So we, uh, we are gamers, and um, I would say that Eric and Greg are probably more role-playing tabletop gamers, and um, out of, I'm going to ask you, out of 10 games of D&D, how many, or I should say 10 games... How many of them are D&D, and how many are just tabletop board-type games? I, I play almost exclusively D&D now. I've, at conventions, really? I have started to expand my horizons again. In the past, I used to play way more variety of games. Mm -hmm. uh, but as life gets more complicated, I guess I've tended to focus. Yeah, and you, Greg? Yeah, uh, you know, I mostly have played RPGs in the last you know 30 years. What's uh, it? But, uh, you know, I've dabbled in... Some other things here. It's what we do when we don't have enough people to play. From time to time, we've uh, played some board games. Throw up, uh, bring out some board games. You know, yeah, uh, Candyland yeah, and card. Yeah. <laughs> Got a Cthulhu game. And, oh, uh, nice. Okay. Yeah, some other stuff. Well, okay. So, and uh, Jimmy, what about you? I mean, uh, are you more of a board gamer or more of an RPG gamer? You know, bona fides are from the Dungeons and Dragons years, mm -hmm. but I have morphed with the family into more board games. Uh, they're, they're quick to throw together. Uh, you can teach the rules to just about anybody, so I'm almost 100% board games now. Are you really? Okay. Well, I'm a mix of that, but uh, let's kind of go back a bit. Um, what is your earliest memory of playing a game? And I'm guaranteeing you it is probably not a role-playing game. So, it's funny because I was thinking about this and it brought up an amusing anecdote. <laughs> no. When I was really little, right? right. I mean, like, five, six, seven years old, I lived in, in the woods on the side of a mountain, right? And my friend and I used to love to play Army. We built forts and we played Army. So mm -hmm. that, that to me, was the first game I played. I would right? have to agree with that. I mean, we played games. Now, the anecdote is that my mom was actually German, born in Germany, right? Mm -hmm. So pretty strict sort of parent. And she used to tell me when I was little, if I didn't do something, she'd say, if you don't do fill in the blank, I'm going to send you to military school. And you're like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, when do I leave for military school? Because <laughs> all I did was play an army all, all, all day. 
<laughs> it didn't really work the way she anticipated, I yeah. guess. But yeah. that, I think that's probably the earliest game. I mean, I was a role player before there was role playing. And I would have to agree with that. I was doing the same thing. Um, Greg, what about you in terms of early memory of games? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, if we're, I don't know if we're talking about organized games or play because I certainly played a lot but okay uh, uh, the first memory of a board game that you played games you know not a lot my my downside is only child so so now if I wanted to play a game at home talking your parents into playing something not always so easy right you know uh when they're busy and everything back so, in the 40s or 50s when was that he still has problems finding people to play games <laughs> with that's true um but, he's got uh, kids and they still won't play with it you know i had uh, trouble and that was that was always a favorite of mine when i was a kid mm-hmm. I, I still have my uh, vintage 1965 trouble Yes. I've always played, okay. and uh, you know, and all the standard board games everybody else did with my cousins or you know my friends when we got together. But, yeah. Uh, and what about you, McGuire? What about you? You know, I I thought a lot about this. This outline you gave us has brought back a lot of thinking and lighting fires. And my first memory of a board game was the the infamous Sorry. Uh, grew up in a farm, single kid. And uh, I can remember going to my grandmother's house and having the neighbor kids of hers who lived in town uh, getting out and playing sorry. But, you know, getting back to what you said, what we did otherwise was I set up the old orange track Hot Wheels and it kind of sparked engineering at me in a young age because, you know, when you, when you hook that orange track up, it just drops off. So yeah. you learn how to smooth that out and make it longer. And I had going through two rooms to get that that smooth, fast uh, Hot Wheels race down the track. And that yeah, was I had a lot earliest. of Hot Wheels, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So as another side, just to, you know, my bona fides as a mechanics guy, I remember the first game that I threw in the trash was Shoots and Ladders, because I quickly realized it was pure luck. Yes. There, there was no skill involved in that game. And, and I was like, I'm not playing this game. This is stupid. I was probably like eight, maybe, maybe right. younger. And and that's an interesting thing. Um, uh, well, first off, back to Jimmy, it, that's probably where your love of racing came from, I imagine. Oh, yeah. I've always been around the, the racing cars, and that's, that's where I'm at today. I mean, we're full circle. Uh, yeah. We'll get to that later. Okay. Now, uh, now j- just to, you know some conflict in the podcast because we always like that <laughs> you were hot wheels and not matchbox because i was total matchbox oh, you know, I, I, had whatever the, yeah. I had the matchbox too but obviously the hot wheels were the faster cars yeah and the i mean they looked cars. faster i'll give you that uh, yeah. and i've got the original set still um, wow yeah my dad was a car guy so he was all on for you know spending what were they back then 50 cents probably buying me matchbox and hot wheels and we did and we were a good even split i you know we like he liked both and mm-hmm. even he even collected some too. I didn't like, like that. I was not allowed to touch because the wheels would bend on the axles were cheaper on Hot Wheels. If, if you were yeah. not nice to them, yeah, the yeah. I wasn't nice bend. to them. Yeah, <laughs> probably like uh, your army men set. I don't know if you guys had any. Um, and that was well. I'll get into this in, in terms of you mentioned shoots and ladders. I only ever played shoots and ladders with people that were like other smaller kids like I was forced to because I was playing games like Parcheesi yeah, with my grandparents. Yeah, we ladders in school. Yes, I yeah. was playing like real games at a very early age. I think like five or six, I remember, or Chinese checkers. I remember seeing these things and they just were like, wow, what type of thing is this? And I'd be playing with my grandparents or my mom. I think my mom is actually a big influence on me because she loved to play games. My dad, not so much, but my mom was always willing to play games with her kids. 
Yeah, so. my parents weren't so much into that, but there was a lot of checkers going on. Yeah. And when I was in uh, grade school, um, or like middle school on into there, uh, a friend of mine, um, and he was the first person I knew who played D&D, too. Mm-hmm. But uh, he lived down uh, in southern Illinois uh, by my grandmother, and um, he taught me how to play chess. Right. And... Um, he was four years older than me, and he's now a corporate lawyer. So he's a pretty smart guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember the day he taught me to play chess, we sat and we played. And at the end of every game, after I lost, obviously, I got all my pieces back. He kept the same pieces. And I think we played eight or nine games oh, wow. with oh, him continually losing pieces and me getting refreshed every game. That's an interesting concept. I, I think he was down to maybe half a dozen pieces before I beat him. Wow. <laughs> Greg, we should play chess sometime. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, that was, uh, yeah, I was yeah. probably, uh, yeah, I was probably in like, you know, eighth, seventh or eighth grade mm-hmm. and he was in high school. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, aside from as, and I would agree with Eric in terms of like role playing, in terms of playing army or, or things like that, uh, board games are pretty much our intro into the gaming world. And we were fairly young. I think we were both, or we were all fortunate enough to be playing some games at a pretty young age, but games now are more prevalent. They're, they're a little bit thicker. They're a little bit more meatier than shoots and ladders and hi ho cheerio and things like that. When do you think is a good age to introduce kids to the real games. And I mean like a game that has some substance. You know, as soon as a kid can understand and follow rules, there are games out there now. I have one sitting on my shelf, uh, Boss Monster, Boss Dungeon. It's a very simple mechanic. Mm-hmm. You, you lay down these dungeon tiles, there's monsters. That is not, I mean, it shoots and ladders with a little bit of strategy. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's and it's a fun game. It's not cutthroat. You know, there's a lot of cooperative games. In my opinion, as soon as that kid shows an interest and has the ability to understand and follow, you know, the simplest rules. And, and can sit still long enough to get through a game. Yeah. I don't know. I, you know, yeah, I guess I've, it depends on the kid, of course. I've played games with kids that stretch days because we play one turn at a time and we just leave it set up. Hmm. You know? Hmm. I think I taught my kids to start playing games. I mean, of course, they were playing the basic, you know, kid games, you know, that you would yeah. always teach your, your children. But uh, they started playing the games that I was playing. And I'm talking games like Memoir 44 and Risk at a pretty early age. I think my son was playing Risk by the time he was eight, maybe even seven. That's a game you introduced me to at about age 24. You just learned Risk at 24 when we... From you. You were a big influence on my board gaming expansion. I did not know that. I did not know that I had opened the door to gaming for Jimmy McGuire. That is... Aside from D&D. Not to jump ahead, but Risk is probably my number one most played board game. Yeah, probably the same here. Starting in high school, I think. Junior high for me, and I think that we would play just days and days of of risk. So you, but risk for you was your your yeah. Well, we you know we uh, we got I got involved with D and D in nineteen summer of eighth grade to freshman. So I think that's around nineteen seventy eight. And that's what we played. We didn't play anything else. We lived and breathed Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, later on, uh, my other uh, probably best buddy in the world uh, introduced me to uh, Ogre. 
Hence the shirt today. He's wearing the shirt. We'll have that's, to take a picture of that. Very too. cool. Yeah, that's uh, a very cool shirt. And then, of course, that led to Car Wars. And so those were that's my I love that one. My three biggest games throughout high school, mm-hmm. uh, and then getting into college, where I hooked up with this this uh, wild guy who taught me Risk. And I remember <laughs> running out the next day to buy uh, the game of Risk. <laughs> Jimmy, have I told you my patented Car Wars strategy? No. Okay, if you fight in an arena with a corner, you only armor. The front, the left side, and the top. No armor on the other. And then you pull your car into the corner and don't re- move. Have a turret. Refuse to move. You can have double armor on those three sides because <laughs> you don't have to armor the rest of the car. And no one can get a shot there. Oh, wow. Wow. That's a good good strategy. But, I mean, it kind of defeats the whole purpose of car. Uh, car is a relative <laughs> term. I mean, I've had cars that haven't moved for many days. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like people who live in mobile homes. They're not going anywhere. That's true. <laughs> good. Very good. They're very not good. mobile. Yeah. Well, let's, okay, now that we've been talking about some of these games that we've been playing as as youngsters, what were, what were your top three games that you played as a kid? Let's, you know, just throw them out if you can remember them. Uh, Carrier Strike. I oh, we Greg, that I'm before. so glad you mentioned that. Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I yeah. still have my Carrier Strike. I sadly have not taught my son to play Carrier Strike. I've never played. It's cool because you get a little plastic aircraft carrier, and you, it's really, it's kind of a pseudo board. It's a, it, it's a pseudo, pseudo miniatures game. It, it's board like, game. It's, yeah, it's like, a, um, it's like a transition game between, you know, Candyland and Luftwaffe, you know? And, <laughs> yes, uh, exactly. Yeah, you've, got, you've got tokens for the torpedoes and the ships and the planes. And, yeah, we used to play that a lot. And it's a game that if you don't uh, feed, well, not feed, but manipulate your, your pieces each turn, you lose them. It is, it is basically something if you don't move your torpedo at the beginning of your yeah. turn... It's gone. I have to make a note to check this game out. It's quite good. I've still got it. my original one. Um, so Yeah, I've got mine too. Yeah. So, Greg, uh, you Carrier Strike is one of your top? Uh, yeah. Um, do you recall any others? Uh, what, what's our what's our A? Where are we going? Up, up uh, you know, like up until the point when you started, you know, just like maybe into high school. So, yeah, um, because, you know, I, we were in, I was in middle school, early high school, and we started playing Starfleet Battles. Okay. So, and... Nice. Um, we latched onto that, and that was the it was the little Ziploc bag one that was on the counter display with Car Wars and Ogre and all those from Steve Jackson Games, and we got that, and me and my friends, and we latched onto that like nobody's business, and we were up to our eyeballs in that game from then until that was pretty much the only thing we played almost uh, until we got into role playing games. Mm-hmm. But um, I we've discussed Starfleet Battles before. Yeah, I still a have game. a great game. Mack truck full of Starfleet Battle <laughs> stuff that I haven't touched for 30 years. But, now, uh, did Steve Jackson publish Starfleet y- Battles? Yeah, the, yes. the original, uh, yeah, because they, they used to, it was it came in that same little Ziploc bag thing that the others did. He and, was on to a, a technique. Uh, he had a thing. I mean, those Ziploc baggy games. Yeah, and it was it was cheap, and you got all the ships that you had seen in the show and uh, had that kind of kind of fun airbrushed uh, A.J. Bellflower uh, uh, artwork on the front. And he's still doing stuff. He oh, just yes. had a successful kick starter and, mm-hmm. and they're still churning out product yeah, yeah nice yeah. so yeah we played a lot of that and we were we were big risk players okay you so know, you, you would say that, or otherwise yeah carrier strike starfleet battles and and, and and risk yeah and we uh my buddy keith and i we used to play luftwaffe you know we mm-hmm. had uh, we we both had a little pile of avalon hill games i think luftwaffe was the only one i owned i think he had squad leader too yeah um what about you eric did you have any go-to games so so one we haven't mentioned monopoly 
Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which yeah. Has some strategy to it. It does. And Did also the first game where I used to yell at people for not following the rules. <laughs> right. And Tons nobody followed rules. rules. It was all homebrewed. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it was all homebrewed. <laughs> nobody, nobody actually followed the rules. Yeah. That I've ever met. I love that we're using, you know, RPG game terminology to describe That's, Monopoly. Yeah. <laughs> Monopoly. So, um, <laughs> but as a kid, I mean, I used to love that game. That, how, how, do you think he min-maxed his Monopoly? Oh, game? I'm sure. He oh, did. you know I did. Yeah. And I had to yeah. be the the shoe, the boot. I always, always I always had to be the race car. The race car. I was always also had to good. be the battleship. Yeah, I was obviously the race car. Yeah. 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 Um, so so <laughs> that one. The other early memory, and this I don't know if this fits or not, but um, the kid I started playing D and D with, we were still in well grade school because my school went up to eighth grade. We didn't have a junior high. Um, we actually spent several days. I don't know how many, but um, we designed our own little miniature game with his Legos. So the yellow Legos were archers. The you know blue Legos were were cavalry, and we actually like made our own rule set and and would get on his carpeted floor for miniatures for a miniatures. And I, we cool. we had no idea miniature games even existed. We were you know in in fifth grade, sixth grade, and um, we just sort of. Made our rules that archers can shoot this far because we had started playing D&D. So this would have been about 78, you know. You just sparked a memory that I have forgotten. Making your own games. We did something very similar. We would take cutouts, cardboard cutouts of ships, you know, kind of oblong and and ship-shaped, silhouetted, right? And we would have aircraft carriers, kind of rectangular, and battleships and destroyers, and then, you know, escorts and things like that. And we would set them out on our floor, and it was kind of a low-pile type of carpet. But we also had darts, because I couldn't do anything in my childhood (laughs) that couldn't cause harm to me or my friends. And we would throw the darts at our battleships, you know, and you'd have a certain amount. If you lost a battleship, you couldn't... throw these many darts and, and vice versa. It was made our own things. And we would do that, and inevitably somebody would get a dart in the foot, but that was kind of a, our, kind of a foray into miniature gaming in yeah. a sense. Cool. Yeah, and it was, it was kind of fun. Did you come up with any uh, home-brewed games, you know, aside from, you know, BB Gun Wars, which isn't really a board game, but I think every one of us probably involved ourselves. Maybe not Greg, but... Well, you know, we all played BB gun wars, and every one of us took a, a BB gun or a BB to the head uh, <laughs> at some point in our lives. But I grew up kind of like Eric, kind of uh, alone at the at the farm, and you learn to uh, make make yourself entertained. Um, we had there was you probably have seen it the 3D maze game where you've got the the knobs where you turn the table this way and that way and you roll a ball yeah. around a little walled yeah those uh, are cool yes. so you don't fall in the holes right I spent hours on that game and I could master it uh, to this day I've got it in, in my basement wow probably couldn't do it now yeah but I was the master of that game and nobody knew because I didn't have anybody to brag to. Gotcha. Yeah. My three favorite games from childhood, and I still have them except for one, um, were, of course, um, Carrier Strike, like Greg, uh, which we talked a little bit about. A game called Tank Battle, which I think I mentioned in a past yeah. episode. Yeah. Um, really deep little strategy game because you had to plan ahead. A lot of forward thinking and then also resource management. Um, but it was basic uh, Milton Bradley game. And great little miniatures. It had See, the, I don't remember that one. So. Yeah, it had a, like a Sherman, um, 
and then a, a panther, and great little miniatures nice. for the time. And then it's not a fair matchup. No, no it's not. No, not at all. It's not. It's not. It's not a fair matchup at all. Maybe they real. give you two Shermans for every panther. <laughs> I think. I think the ratio was four or five. Yeah, <laughs> right. If um, the panther would it's start, not, it's not if panther. it would actually move, it's yes. a panther, not a tiger. Yes. And then a game, maybe Greg, maybe Jimmy. I don't know. Maybe you guys remember this sub search. Um, that sounds familiar. It was a three-dimensional, three-tiered surface and sub, or uh, uh, under-the-water battleship game. I was gonna say kind of a kind of an upscaled battleship. Yeah, we yes. played. And I forgot to say. Yeah, we played battleships sometimes Where too. You, I had battleships. Yeah, but this one it was three tiered, and it was um, on the table. It was probably two and a half feet tall, and you had two sides where you were looking at the ocean three depths of the ocean where your subs were hidden and the other guy was on the other side and then you also had surface ships that would go and drop depth charges did it have an electrical component to it too? no no electrical okay. component but you did have a plotting uh with the little white and red pegs where you could plot where your depth like charges three-dimensional were. battleship of it was he was yeah, yeah. so you should look it up greg you would love the sounds, aesthetics it of sounds it sounds familiar I yeah mean, you'd I, love the aesthetics of it and had i still had that game that thing's worth quite a bit of money. Yeah, a lot of games are. Yeah. So do you have any games that are worth a lot of money from your childhood? Or even any game that you've picked up and haven't played in a while that are worth a lot of I money? I doubt it very seriously. Um, you know, we uh, when I was in 7th or 8th grade, that was when my parents made me do the great room purge oh no and that's you know that's when that's when all the major matt masons and my giant three-foot eagle and a lot of my kid board games uh went away uh curse of the mummy's tomb i had just read that was a game i had just remembered mm-hmm. i uh, did not write down that was very cool I had a sarcophagus in the middle with it that it talked to you and i was very much into egyptian things that was around the time that uh the king tut thing came to america and uh that's actually worth a bundle if you've got it and it works right because you know anything with a electronic component to it before the 80s if it still works that's a good thing but uh yeah that was one i always uh, wish i still had the only two that I still have that I've hauled around, but they're not worth anything because they're pretty common and beat to hell. <laughs> uh, my Risk game, I still have that Risk game. Wooden it, wooden pieces? No, no, they were the plastic. Okay. Uh, I, it might not be all the way back, but it was the yeah. one that I played all through you know, high school and college. Yeah, we're not that old. And then um, <laughs> Axis and Allies, which we haven't mentioned. You have not mentioned it. We played that quite a bit in high school. Yeah, I, I, I was sort of like the next step after Risk, uh, but... Axis and Allies has some balance issues, which they did fix. Yeah. You know, the Russian meat grinder strategy where you split <laughs> Germany, you know. Um, I had never played that. Oh, well, we'll yeah. play sometime after chess. Yeah. <laughs> and make sure you clear your weekend. Yeah. Well, that's why we never played, is it was always says, if you're going to play this, you got to clear out at least a day and a half to do it. And yeah. It just never happened. Yeah, it, it's actually, I cred to Axis and Allies for a game that has a dynamic where you have three players against two players and. Um, you know, that the turn order you have to come up with, it's actually really well balanced. That is not an easy game to get right. Mm-hmm. And they did a pretty good job with it. I mean, they did have to basically add the rule later on that Russia can attack on the first turn to, to help with that, that degenerative strategy, which everybody figured out really quickly if you were serious. Um, but otherwise, it's, it's a pretty well balanced game for having asymmetrical sides. Good point, good point. Um, I do have a I'll game... Oh, Jimmy, yeah. Yeah, sorry, 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 man. I, I, in the studio here, our uh, 
field of vision is a little skewed for me because I'm in the middle and these guys are kind of like behind me. But anyway, they're usually ignoring me, but yeah. now they're ignoring you. <laughs> well, you know, as far as value goes, I've got I did latch on to a risk game with the wooden pieces just mm-hmm. because it was such a cool game. Nice. Uh, I've got something that I thought was a lot of value and I looked it up recently uh, and that's the old TSR Dungeons and Dragons electronic uh, game where you bounce I've around. I've seen that online. Wait uh, a second. You, that's not worth money? About 40 bucks, 45 bucks. You can buy oh. one almost new in the box. Um, I was really surprised. I thought it'd be worth a couple hundred. There's also a little handheld dungeon. Remember when the handheld yeah. games were big? With oh, the, the gosh, most, yeah. There's actually a handheld D&D game, which I had never seen before that I'd come across. Like the little football games? Yeah, yes. like the little football yeah. games. Basically I, moving a little I can't bring around. myself to spend money on it just no. because I don't need more stuff, but yeah. it's, it was cool. I'll make Dean jealous. I still have my Battlestar Galactica handheld electronic game in the original box that still works. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Is there some value to that that you know uh, of? I have no idea. Other than, you know, sentimental? Uh, other yeah. than to Dean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How much you want but, for it? <laughs> yeah. But it was, it was uh, it, it's a pretty rudimentary game, but I played the crap out of that game. But uh, wow. it looks like it's, it looks like brand new, yeah. So, so wow. Jimmy still has that original. I, I know, I think I've seen those online going for about, you know, 80 to 100 yeah. on eBay. Now, I don't know if they're getting that or not, but yeah. I think that's what it, they're listing It's like as. anything else. It's, it's what Cyclical, you can find somebody yeah. worth to pay for it if you were wanting to get rid of it. Everything so is for sale is at the right price to the yeah. right person. You know, it's only valuable if somebody's willing to pay the price that you're offering. So The big surprise that it's in my game store or game basement I should say was from Gen Con's uh, auction this year the Dungeons and Dragons big red dragon huh that came out four or five years ago yeah yeah four hundred dollars the big red dragon Whoa. okay I'm, I'm missing something was this a a game a prop of no this was a a, a miniature so to speak <laughs> yeah like a statue out. sort of Probably Dungeons and Dragons 3.0 3.5 range-ish okay and uh Huge ancient red dragon with flames coming out of its mouth uh, in a box at Gen Con auction this year for $400. You got it for $100 or $400? I bought it for about 70 bucks back in the day. Wow. Um, okay. okay. So they're selling for 400 And mm. guess where mine's going next year at the auction? <laughs> <laughs> That'll pay for my that'll pay for my Gen Con. Yeah. Nice, yeah. Actually, I uh, I just recently acquired, and I'm really conflicted as to what to do with it. Um, I have a uh, Circus Maximus, which we used to play a little mm-hmm. bit. That was another we don't have enough people to RPG game. I still have my copy of Circus uh, Maximus. I have one of those vintage Circus Maximus uh, still in the shrink wrap that I got recently, and nice. I really want to open it and play it. I don't know if I should do that. I would suggest... You can play my copy. I was going to say, play a copy. Yeah. there's enough copies uh, floating around just between Eric and I that if you want to play the game, I'll give you mine to play. You just keep yours the way it is. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, and give it to me in return. <laughs> but, so. uh, yeah, I got it from a buddy of mine who had uh, gotten... I was uh, getting rid of somebody's game collection from back in the day. Yeah. And that was, there was a lot of really good uh, games there, too. Oh, and uh, actually, uh, Ace of Aces... I have my ace, two yeah. Ace of Aces uh, games. They're both biplane type game or triplane. Yeah, it's a, game. it's a World War One kind of a. It's almost like a choose your own adventure sort of thing for airplanes, where you you pick a maneuver and you cross index, and everybody gets each gets a little booklet with uh, you know for a specific airplane. Yeah, I had the green one, and I've uh, since acquired the blue one. I um the I've got a couple of games that I've kept as from kids, but one that I bought uh, pretty much. 
uh, in my early days of college was a game called Plague and Pestilence, and it's a card game very akin to a game called Nuclear War, which where you're building up numbers, and then all of a sudden something drastic happens, and you try to just survive to the end to have numbers at the end of population. Yeah, I love Nuclear War. I played that at uh, Gary Con, and yeah. that was another one of our uh, no yeah. RPG games. I, uh, I have a game, this game called Plague and Pestilence, and... I have my original copy, and I'm going to be bringing it to Winter War to play, along with the game Naval War, which is another Avalon Hill card game. I bought this game for like $15. This sucker is like over 200 and some dollars now in terms of value. Wow. And it's probably the only game that I have that is like really high-priced. And uh, But I've got a lot of old... I've got a lot of games, which is my next question to all of you. You guys have been talking about a lot of board games that you have played, more than you let on. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. keep remembering more and yes, more of exactly. them. I jotted some of them down. You know, you got Car Wars, yeah. you've got Ogre, you've got, you know, all these other games. How many board games do you have? And I'm not talking, you know, or I should say, how many games do you have? And don't include RPG games. Do you, have you had time to look or even just I an estimate, a guesstimate? I probably currently have about 40 or 50. That's pretty respectable. Yeah, I, pretty, but a, a lot of that too is because I'm in the Gen Con Vig program. They give me a bag filled with games. I think you have a lot more than that. I, I might I've have been more in the than game that. room. You probably should multiply that by like ten. <laughs> no, I don't think I have that. Maybe 400? I have hundred. <laughs> I mean, I I have many shells. Now the problem is many of them I haven't played. Yes, right. But there are some like thinking back, you know, that I still pull out and play every so often. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, maybe I have a hundred. I guess I don't know. You know, I, I probably have at least a hundred, uh, but you know, like collectors' games, I I've been cleaning up some of my stuff here, and like Star Wars games mm-hmm. that I've never played. I got back in my Star Wars corner there, and I have three different versions of Star Wars Monopoly that I'll I'll never play them. Right, and people gave them to me. I have Star Wars Monopoly. I have Star Wars Risk. I have Star Wars Stratego. I have, uh, but they're fun to have. But yeah, but but I uh, I probably I knew I was never going to play them, but right. uh, but I do have them. So you know, if you're counting stuff like that, I probably have 20 games that I'll never play. Greg straddles uh, a fine line between a collector and a hoarder. No. I'm usually I'm a little on the hoarder side. Yeah, I'm, I'm I, I admit my problem. So Jimmy, when I introduced you to Rist, and that was your first big, I guess, board game that you went out and bought, have you? Increased your gaming. Well, yeah, I've actually got I've got three versions of Risk. You know, they they've got the. Oh, there's a Risk. Uh, they just came out uh, with another new Risk version. I can't think of what it is. Maybe it's Game of Thrones. No, it's Game of Thrones Monopoly is coming out. I'm sorry, mistake. But yeah, we've got I've got probably about 50 board games. Mm-hmm. But you know, I have. I think I mentioned the last podcast. I have kind of centered myself more towards racing games. So I've I've become almost a collector. I just recently. Uh, received a 1962 version of Le Mans uh, that wow. had the original purchase receipt in it. Wow! It was a one cool. owner, and how much knew, was that receipt? Uh, oh God, it was five dollars or something like that. <laughs> it was nothing. Wow! Um, but you know, he knew he knew my love of the game. I'd been looking for it for a while, uh, and he gave it to me. It was is kind of a nice gesture. Uh, but when you get into racing games, like let's just say Formula Day. There are scads and scads and scads of tracks to buy after you mm. buy the core game. Uh, it's almost like miniatures where you're buying the play mat rather than the miniatures. Now, quick aside, have you played Formula Day at Winter War? I have. There's a guy there who has taken photo quality pictures of the ma- the boards, blown them up and printed them on vinyl. They did and, that at Gen and, Con, too. And the cars are like 
you know, like Hot Wheels, small, a little smaller than Hot Wheels, but right. like they're they're big cars. That's a load that of fun. That could be the same guy playing. It, it probably is. Yeah. Uh, what racing game did we play with you that time? That was Formula Day. That yeah. was okay. Yeah, and right. that's a good I, game. I play that way. I played it once. Quite yeah. a, see, Greg, you have played. I get around a little bit. Yeah, you do. It's mostly it's Eric's doing mostly. Yeah. Uh, uh, game uh, game weekend for the scouts. I know the, the yeah. adults don't have much else to do, so that was where I learned Carcassonne. That's where I learned. Um, uh, well, we what else have we played there? Um, uh, a lot of games. It was yeah. Boy Scouts. You were probably more worried about the Boy Scouts and nah, not just, remembering the just game. Lock them up in the attic <laughs> and forget about them. <laughs> well, I've been on my board game geek collection, and it is not complete. But I do know that I have uh, somewhere around 157 games right now. That's pretty specific to round. Yeah. Well, I, like I said, I have not completed. About 157.5. About 157.5. I haven't had a chance to update it yet, but I know the last time I did it was at 157. And there are people who have way more than that. I've got a friend of mine who lives in, um, oh, yeah. in near uh, Cincinnati, and he must have... Two copies of everything. Is that Dave? Dave Hockter. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we, and we play a lot with Jess up in Bloomington. Mm-hmm. You know Jess, and uh, his basement has just like those uh, metal shelves. And that's what there, Dave's there's got. There's probably like six or eight of those just filled with games, just yeah. stacked up. He's like a, his own very own game library. He I could see. go to a convention and you know be the game library. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, okay. So moving on, we've been talking a little bit about you know how many games we have and stuff like that. Gaming in general, where do you guys, I mean, and again, I'm talking board gaming. Do you host your gaming? Where do you go for your board gaming if there is board gaming? I know Greg and, and Eric, you've got the, the issue that you're kind of RPGers now, but obviously you do play board games when you're not doing other stuff. Greg, you already admitted that if you can't get enough people for the RPG, you pull out a game. Is it Usually at Eric's house, is it at the game store? Uh, Where do you do your gaming at? Uh, that's it's a home kind of thing. Um, yeah, we I went over to Eric's and played X Wing one time. But that was in the game room. We have a game room. Um, uh, when we play, uh, some we've played a couple of times over at uh, my buddy Tom's house. He uh, he hosts the Star Wars game, and which used to be the um, Mutants and Masterminds. And uh, we always talk about playing board games there are a lot more than we do, but a couple of times we played uh, one of my favorite new board games, uh, Unspeakable Words, which hmm. is a Cthulhu-themed build-a-word game. Really? Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of fun. It was a Kickstarter a couple of years ago, and uh, Tom picked it up, and uh, we played it at Tom's, and I liked it so much I ran out and bought it. And um, it's 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 not a complicated. Game. It's building words, and I actually uh, suckered my family into playing it uh, one time. Got my mom to play. That was interesting. Um, but uh, mom playing Cthulhu. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's 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 just a, it's essentially a card game. They just in, introduce yeah. a Cthulhu element in it. But uh, you know, my house. We you know we played the kitchen table. Hmm. Uh, we uh, we got Harry Potter Clue. My family you can sucker them into playing Harry Potter Clue, yeah. or um, uh, Blockus. We like to play Blockus. That's a good game. And Harry Potter Clue. The wizard did it with the wand. Yes, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> at uh, Hogwarts. <laughs> yeah, it, it, oddly, I think it's almost they almost simplified it a little bit, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, we like the HP stuff. And um, Eric, you're, I know that you almost exclusively. Yeah, at home. you know what I do in prepping for this. I do. The only time I really play board games is when I go to Jess's house, um, our friend Jess. So we Mm -hmm. go up there once every couple of months. Um, That's where I got introduced to Secret Secret Hitler. 
which is a, a load of fun. Yes, it is. Um, he yeah. got he got the deluxe edition, even though the game's free. Yeah, um, he's got a little. <laughs> I've been wanting to pick that one up for Brandon. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, of fun. that's <laughs> that's a lot of fun. Um, and we play. You know, I mean, because. Uh, the, the women folk are there as well. Sometimes we'll play apples to apples, you know, those more party games. And sometimes it's it's more sort of board gamey type stuff. Depends how much time we have. Okay. Yeah, it's, it seems like the board games tend to pop up like on Thanksgiving or Christmas time or something like that. When you get them, like Thanksgiving, when you get some people together or after you've eaten, you got nothing to do and you got a room full of people who don't want to watch football. Then yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm always trying at Thanksgiving trying to introduce my nieces into gaming. Oh. Nice. So they uh, ended up playing. Gotta battle. go to Uncle Dean's again. He's gonna try to get us to play games. Yeah. Well, I am kind of the pusher. I am the game <laughs> dealer. What about you? I mean, uh, are you uh, do you visit your local game, game store? Or do you game. game at home or what? Well, I, you know, when we do Formula Day, I set it up at my house. I've had many thoughts about setting up a tournament style uh, at the local game store where we can all meet in neutral area and uh, having a ten race uh, points um, mm-hmm. set up. They do that at our game store. They have a season. Right, so they run right. seasons, yeah. And pick out the tracks, and, you know, mm-hmm. people can nice. practice. And, and I've come across some ways to homebrew, you know, like qualifying. How fast can you get around that lap oh, by yourself? Yeah. Um, and and I've come up with some neat homebrew rules for Form of the Day and other racing games. Uh, um, because I play so many different kinds. There's a card game. There's a dice game. I mean, there's many different ways of playing racing games. Uh, I like to, in my mind, uh, combine some of the elements and uh, make my own a little bit more interesting. Uh, Formula Car Wars. Oh, uh, that would be there fun. There you go. I did that in 1996. Yeah. Uh, and it was a big hit. Uh, we wow. had people from the uh, stands shooting, it, taking pot shots. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's really pretty nice. cool. Yeah. Wow. Uh, that's that's kind of. I'm for the most part, much like all of you guys. I'm the the game dealer. I think maybe Eric can uh, identify with this. The guy who you know is always pushing the games, making hey, the game days. I got go, this game here. You guys should. Really yeah, you should out. try this game yeah, out. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it. But uh, I'm also the game main game host. But I've got a good friend of mine that we share when we're doing game nights. Like he'll do it at his house. I'll do it at my house. But something that I've been doing recently is hosting game nights outside of the house, and yeah. not at a not at a game store. I'm talking, like I said earlier, at a bar. Yeah, and that's I've seen posts like past year or two, probably about two years ago, that started up, and that's a win-win because these bars have very little traffic during the week, mm-hmm. and gamers need a place to game. Right. So you know, if they make any money, they got the table space. And sometimes, like yeah. what well, I'm developing with uh, the relationship I have with uh, the proprietor of the tavern, let's call it a tavern because we're gamers. It's got to be a tavern. Yeah. Um, an inn. An inn. Uh, <laughs> if, it had, if it had rooms for rent, it would be an inn. Yes, yeah. but it, it, it has tavern. food and drink. My it has bad. food and drink, so it's a tavern. Tavern, correct. Who's yeah. um, stable? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> parking for your car. <laughs> we're doing drink night or uh, uh, drink specials on game night. Nice. So he's going to give. Possibly a discount on your pints. See, that's a that's a fine line in my book because there's a lot of people I really like. I don't know if I like them when they drink. There, I don't know if I want to find that out. There is so. that. There, well, there is. needs to be some die rolling with those uh, possible discounts as well. So Ooh. if you're rolling at twenty, you get the they best. They did discount. that at GameholeCon for the seven dollar slices of pizza. They actually had a D twenty, and if you rolled a twenty, they gave you gave you a coupon. 
for the next slice of pizza. You know what, Jimmy? Fr- nice. uh, free slice of pizza. I love that idea. I'm going to take it to uh, to the guy I know and see if he's willing to work that, like a percentage. And, and you here's know, a, a testament stuff. to the gamer yeah. community. Yeah. The majority of the time when somebody won that, because they had already paid for their slice, they just gave it to the person behind them. Right. Yeah. Because they want want somebody to use it. So they're like, hey, your slice is free. That's sort of nice. Yeah. And we've all gone to the conventions, and we all play games at the conventions. Um, And I'm not asking if you played other than uh, something other than RPGs, but when you've played board games at conventions, what has your experience been like? Has it been good? Has it been fun? I mean... I, for one, have had more fun playing board games at uh, GaryCon, and I've only been once, and at Winter War than I have ever had at Gen Con. So, so here's my... Uh, I don't play a lot of board games, and I don't know if this fits or not, but I love Battletech. I love me some Battletech. Mm-hmm. And actually, I've been playing the new Battletech computer game that just Same here. came out, right? Yeah. Um, and I played a Battletech game at GaryCon last year. Um, and the guys who ran it knew everything about Battletech. It is such a pleasure to sit down, and I, you know, I, I don't, I play infrequently. It sort of comes back to me. But these guys not only knew the rules, mechanics, and moved things along quickly, but you know, in between turns, we're talking about the history of the Lyran Commonwealth, and these guys yeah. are just walking encyclopedias, which is really nice. I mean, so that's a good experience when you have somebody with that level of expertise in a game. That's the way you want to play a game. You yeah. want somebody who knows what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. I played a couple of games, uh, board games at Gary Con actually, and uh, uh, had a really good time playing Nuclear War. Mm-hmm. I was familiar with that game. I had played it since the '80s, but uh, had a good time with that. But then I played another game I didn't know. And uh, God, I cannot remember the name of it. It was a zombie-based type thing. Dead of Winter? Um, no, I don't think so. But um, I did not have a great time, an okay time playing. Didn't have a great time playing. It was uh, it was put on by the de- the game's designer. Actually, was hosting it, mm-hmm. and he was trying to teach. Uh, we we learned on the fly, as it were, and we were playing against him. And the rules were kind of bleeding out as needed. Ooh. And it always seemed to work in his favor. <laughs> uh, so Yikes. it didn't go well. We all, we all lost. I mean, it was like, you know, four of us playing against him. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he won. Surprise. He designed the game. And, yeah, so it was uh, – I did not have a great time doing it. did not make me want to run out and buy that game. It made me want to not play with that guy again. <laughs> wow. Jimmy, uh, what about you? You know, I, I – I like playing uh, at Gen Con, the Formula Day game, simply because we've got the best players showing up there. We've got it's kind of a core group that shows up about every year, and you get to know their personalities on how they play, and you can really use that against them. If you have a, a real numbers guy or if you have a, an aggressive guy, you can goad them into, oh, why don't you go up a gear? I'd, I'd go up a gear. Uh, and, and little things like that, when you get that group together that's core into a game, you don't see that at home, but you can see that at the bigger cons, and it really enhances the game and makes you play your A game. Uh, what percentage of uh, your Gen Con experience is Formula Day, would you say? I mean, you spend half your time playing right. Formula Day? Right. I'm, no, the game I play is Formula Day. I don't yeah. generally sign up for any other games. Oh, really? Just, oh, so just no for the record, that. every Formula Day game I've ever played comes down to there's a 50% chance I'm going to win and a 50% <laughs> chance I'm going to blow up. <laughs> And it always comes down finishes. to that, yeah. as it should be. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I uh, I agree with you. Uh, you get some of the best players in some of these board games. Uh, 
at the conventions more so than you might get uh, at home, of course, obviously. Uh, but I've had some really bad experiences playing some board games at uh, some of the bigger conventions, and really? I think oh, that I'm nice. I'm really kind of loving the smaller conventions uh, in terms of board gaming because you get people who are well, maybe they're serious, but they're maybe not quite so serious, or you don't run into the problem that you have like um, um, with Greg's experience. He was the creator of the game. Sometimes you get a person who has just been thrown a game and said, here, you're teaching this game, and they don't even know it. Yeah, oh, God, I can't you know, imagine that. And it's a philosophical, you know, we talk about this sometimes with RPGs, but just because you can make a game doesn't, doesn't mean you can explain it or run it or even play it. Right. Right? I mean, there's different skill sets involved, and I don't know if board games are particularly well-suited to Gen Con because a lot of them, even Risk, which is a fairly simple game on its face, right? The strategies after you play for a while, you go, oh, I see how I really should be doing this. You don't have the chance to develop that. Mm -hmm. And if you're not playing that way and somebody else is, you get stomped. That's not a fun, right. fun activity. So, you know, when you, when you, play a game like i bring home star wars i call greg let's play star wars we both have zero rule knowledge we're starting in the same place if i go to a convention i'm gonna get stomped at playing yeah. x-wing right i mean like those guys know their stuff i mean and some of them will be like oh by the way you probably don't want to do that because of this others will be looking at me and thinking inside their head what an idiot wait till my turn comes i use my gaming convention time at gen con to discover new games yeah. Rather yeah, than play the was, games that I love like, to play. Yeah, the exhibit floor that. is fun. When yeah. Playing those demo games, mm -hmm. because those people are actually pretty good at giving you what you need to get an idea of the game, and they want you to have a good time, so you buy the game, yeah. right? And that was the X-Wing 2.0 for me this year at Gen Con. I, I, st I stood in line, actually, which I never do, <laughs> to demo a game. Uh, I usually walk around. I'm there long enough. I'm going to find an opening, but it wasn't there for X-Wing. I stood in line. Had a really good teacher, and it was a good experience, and that's what led me into, oh, let's give this a try. Well, you know what that means is more money. Yeah, well, it worked for them, so. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, and it's a great game. Yeah. Uh, but something else, we we're talking about where do you play, it's it's how do you enhance your home experience. Uh, I know that Dean has a game topper. Uh, has that changed how you play your games with the better tabletops, or is that just uh, something that really is, is a non- conversation i eric chime in here because i know you don't have a uh, you made your own game table but having a dedicated game table i think does enhance the gaming experience with me i've got a uh, uh kind of a foam type of mat that is red in color and it really makes the game pop out hmm. you know aesthetically when you look at it it makes a game look even more attractive to play and i've also got a place where uh uh, people can put their drinks without having to worry about it falling onto the table and stuff like that. I was just like thinking that. about that. If you're gaming at a bar, yeah, the first thing you want, your first thought would be protect my gaming material yes. from the bar. Right, yeah, and that's <laughs> it, why I don't take really expensive games. You know it. what I would do different? I used to play a lot of poker um, in my younger days, very serious poker player, and I made a poker table um, with the, you know, the padding and mm -hmm. uh, what's that, yeah. the velvet Beautiful. on top. Um and that, when you're playing games with uh, cards or something that's going to stick to that and are hard to pick up, it's so much nicer to have that little bit of padding on the table so you can get your finger underneath yes. the cards. Yes. Um, I, if I was going to redo my gaming table, 
I would uh, put some sort of padded area um, in the like center. A, like a felt strip. Yeah, and I would I would actually mount a computer monitor in the, in the very center of the table. But to answer your question, yes, it does enhance my gaming experience. Um, primarily because, one, it brings me to that table more often to play, and I can leave a game set up because it's one of these recessed type of uh, game tables where I could leave the game uh, set up. I don't have anything that goes over the top of it, but I have a friend of mine who made his own gaming table, much like Eric, and it's also his dining room table. That was his first mistake. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it never changes from dining to right. game. Right. It is a beautiful table. It's one of those tables that would cost you, like... Three, four thousand dollars to make. I mean, yeah. it is a piece of furniture, but at the same time, it's his dining room table. So you know, it's it's not a dedicated game table. Yeah, if you're playing something, no matter uh, what you're playing, five thirty that goes away. Right, exactly. <laughs> but now he does have a recessed area, and he can put the table, the dining room table, back on top without oh, messing oh, up the game. Oh, well, okay, that's cool. That's it, that's why after I built my gaming table, I built a game room to put the game table. <laughs> there in. you go. There well, you as you go. know, Dean, I'm I'm modeling my new gaming table uh, off of your game topper. Right. Gotten some measurements from you, so I'm in the middle with my eldest daughter. Oh, we're doing some woodworking and putting something together. So I'm hoping that it will. Like you said, you can leave the game. I have a biscuit joiner if you need one. (laughs) Uh, I've got all the woodworking. I'm one of those nuts, too. Uh, So we're looking forward to that. Well, Um, uh, definitely rounded edges. So when you're leaning, it's not like cutting into the, you know, to your arm, your forearm. And as as Eric said, some type of felt and or, you know, foam covering on the game area, the playing area. Okay, we've been talking a lot about our own experiences with board games and stuff like that. But real quickly, here on our outline, we've got different types of board gaming. And for those people who are listening that, you know, maybe aren't big into board gaming, well, yeah, the deck is kind of stacked against you because there's a crap ton of different types of games out there. It's not just, you know, roll the dice, move your piece, and win the game. Yeah, you know, and thinking back to my experiences, early on, I was a Conan-type board gamer. I wanted to crush my enemies, see them driven before me. And when they started to come out with cooperative board games, I really like those board games. It is fun not to have that, uh, because if I'm in competition, I want to win. All right, well, let's let's go through some of these. Um, The most basic one is your roll and move games. You know, roll the dice, move your piece. That's Monopoly. Yeah. Okay. Um, some people would would include you know well, well game of life. I think maybe all of us. I've got mousetrap. That was always fun. Yeah, yeah. We, we played a lot. Mousetrap. Wow, I forgot all about mousetrap. Yeah. Speaking of, fit, ma- uh, half the time we just build the thing and not yeah. play the game. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of mousetrap, uh, Thunder Island by Restoration Games just came back out. It was a Kickstarter. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. Is it Fireball uh, Island or, or Fireball, Thund- not yes. Thunder Island. Fireball Island, and that just came out. It looks fantastic, but I'm hearing there's a couple of issues with the manufacturing pieces of it. So that's not cool. I've yeah. got the original, so. Uh, Keep it. I'm good. Yeah, Mousetrap was one of those games I always thought was really cool and wanted when I was a really little kid and Mm -hmm. didn't get. So as soon as I had kids, one of the first games they got was Mousetrap so we could play it. I unfortunately was a recipient of Mousetrap after my brothers and sisters had it. So there was... All the pieces missing. Some very vital pieces missing. It was well loved. (laughs) (laughs) That the mousetrap never worked. Yeah, I think if you missed like one piece, (laughs) the game was done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Worker placement games. Those are games like, you know, Agricola, Pillars of the Earth, Lords of Waterdeep. If you've not played Lords of Waterdeep, that's a D&D based game. It's really fun. But, you know, uh, your worker placement. Basically, you have a limited number of workers and a limited number of resources, and you've got to 
put them in the right places at the right time. It's um, it's kind of a business management type of game. Are you guys familiar with those types of games? I have Lords of Waterdeep. I think I have the electronic version on my iPad. I do too, and it's quite yeah. good. Quite yeah. good. Um, yeah, not uh, not so much. No, although the the only Kickstarter game I ever bought was called Manhattan Project, and it's a card based game, and it's basically resource management to mm -hmm. build a nuclear weapon. I, I heard the Japanese always lose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, but eventually we yeah. claim it's our fault. <laughs> uh, are you any of you familiar with deck building games? I absolutely hate deck building well, it's games. It's funny. You, you put deck building and then you don't mention magic. Yeah. <laughs> which is That's like because, the granddaddy of them all. I know. And yeah. I did that on purpose because not the, I, mean, I played one, a singular game of magic. And I was being I never played. taught the game. And I crushed the guy who was teaching me. And he threw such a stink... That, you know, I was like, well, screw should, you. Should I? I don't know if I told my Magic the Gathering story or not. Um, I played Magic when I bought my first booster. Mm -hmm. The Arabian Nights had just come out. That was the very first yeah. expansion. So uh, Magic way back. I don't play anymore, but um, I had played pretty consistently. And I had a friend whose uh, son went to summer camp, and this kid was maybe like 10 years old. And Magic was really popular at summer camp, so he would bring decks. Well, one time he comes home. He's an adult now, so maybe he'll hear the story and laugh about it. But um, he's crying. And I'm like, Billy, what's wrong? He's like, uh, you know, they play Magic at summer camp, and I always lose, and I can never win a game. I go, really? Uh, do they follow, like, tournament rules? He's like, no, they, you just bring whatever deck. I go, yeah, that okay, is let, me, let me give you a deck. I gave him a deck with 25 <laughs> lightning bolts and 15 mana. And I said, just damage the other player. <laughs> now, that is totally illegal. You cannot play that deck anywhere. Um he came back the next day, grinning ear to ear. I didn't lose a, a single game. I go, I awesome. bet you didn't, because that deck is so illegal. Good for you. Good for you. No, good magic yeah, I, story. I was in Gen Con when it was introduced, and I walked by their booth saying, oh, stupid game. Who's going to play that? My <laughs> buddy, who's a most collector, game in the bought world. the beta, beta deck Yeah, I used there, to have alphas and betas. And yeah. uh, he uh, he let it go too early. Before yeah, I did. Yeah. It is the number one played game uh in the world yeah i uh i bought a little bit into the uh star wars uh ccg mm -hmm. when it came out but uh by the time i acquired enough cards to play with nobody i didn't have anybody play i still have some of those yeah. car, star yeah. wars collector card yeah, i got a box full of them yeah. um my magic story and we are talking about deck building or card collectible card games is when i walked into a game store and they were releasing a new booster pack and some kid who but you know 10, 15, maybe even 20 years younger than me, or no, he had about 10 years younger than me, walks in, buys like $100 worth of stuff, and then walks over to a trash can that had, a, you know, other cards in it, and just started tossing them in. Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Oh, I need that one. Got it, got it. And I'm like, I do not have that much time nor that much money to waste <laughs> on this game. That yeah, but, if he, but if he kept those cards, he's probably a millionaire. Yeah, yeah. No, these are just like one, you know, ones that he didn't have. He's, no, the ones he kept. Though. Yeah, were the ones he kept. He yeah. is, yes, definitely. So, um, we talked about just a little bit co-op games. I agree, Eric. Right now, my favorite games are all co-op games. I love the fact that if you lose, it's not your fault; <laughs> it's everybody's fault. Or yeah, like Pandemic, I think was the yes. first one that I, I really seriously got into. Zombicide, mm -hmm. right? Um, mm -hmm. Also, fun game. I kickstarted that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Those are the only two I've played. 
with Eric at Scout Game Weekend. <laughs> what about you? Have you played any, uh, Jimmy, any not, co-op not, games? Not much on the co-op games. I've passed that whole phase up, it seems. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't say you late. passed it up. It's just it's still kind of coming into the fore. It's yeah, it's really I, coming around. I haven't really looked into them that hard. I, you know, the problem is I'll, I'll hang with you guys, and you'll get me to play one. It'll be the new crack cocaine for me. And <laughs> I'll have to go out and buy them. Yeah. Uh, right now, um, I think... Uh, Battlestar Galactica, the the board game, is a cooperative game, but it also fits into another one that we'll talk about here in just a second, um, and that's Hidden Identity, Secret Identity. But Star Trek Panic, if you guys are Star Trek fans, huh. you I, should go I, get I, it. I don't know about that one. It is okay. a really we'll good game. We'll coordinate one of your bar tavern nights where I can actually make it and bring that game and we'll play that. Okay, Star Trek We'll, we'll make the bar Panic. in Decatur, though, so it's halfway. Well, we could maybe do that if we well, can find some. I was thinking, I work in Danville, so <laughs> if I take a right instead of go straight, I end up in Paxton yeah, at some point. Yeah, there you go. Yep. Um, so let's talk a little bit. Greg, you should check into Star Trek Panic. Okay, I wrote check it Check into it. It is a co-op game. I think your family would actually like it. And with your enthusiasm behind the love of Star Trek, I think they'd get into it. Nice. Um, uh, secret identity games. Secret Hitler being one of the first ones. Or are you a werewolf? I think is where is the werewolf the first of those? Yeah. Well, I don't know if it was There's the first, so many but of them it now. was it was the first one I ran into. I yeah. have an amusing anecdote about that as well. <laughs> There's always we, we would anecdotes play that about on scout camping trips around the campfire. Around yeah. the campfire and the scouts quickly realized if we stand any chance of winning, kill Eric first. <laughs> okay? Oh yeah, they were all gunning for you. So <laughs> so one time I was actually the werewolf and I convinced the scouts that I know for sure who the other werewolf is because I'm so good at reading body language was because I played poker. So I could, mm-hmm. and these are like, you know, 12 and 13 year olds. They're not, not, yeah. don't yeah. have good poker faces, right? They're not keeping their emotions in check too much. <laughs> so I, I was like, listen, I, I can tell he's the werewolf. Like, and obviously I'm not the werewolf if I point him out and he is. So if he's a werewolf, you guys should keep me around because I'll help you win. And they were like, yeah, okay. I knew it was a werewolf because I was the other werewolf, so I killed the other werewolf the first round and, then, and won the game. And, and they were like, we knew we should have killed Eric. And, and because the fact that he is one of their scout leaders and they've been kind of you know brought up in the whole respect their elders type of thing, they're like, if Eric's telling he can't be lying. No, I, I, that goes right out the window. <laughs> now especially, a werewolf. especially around Eric. Yeah. <laughs> have you played uh, any of those secret identity games? You know, you guys introduced it to me prior to Gen Con this year, and I actually was going to seek it out uh, when they play against in the halls of yeah, Gen Con. Yeah, like, like all night. Oh, Jimmy, if you go, I'm sure you're going to go to Gen Con. We should hook up together and play some werewolf. We'll do that. It's a lot of fun. We'll do that in 19. Okay. Yes. And I won't be the werewolf, I promise. Oh, you you never know. It's It's random. random. It's random. But I won't be the werewolf, I promise. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. Me Um, neither. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I would... I would like to play a game of werewolf with you sometime, Eric. I think that'd be a lot of fun. So, uh, area control games; those are your games like Risk. We've all played those. Uh, Carcassonne is an area control game because um, uh, it's a tile placement game, of course. But you've got to control those tiles with your meeples, and so it kind of also is kind of a resource management game. Um, legacy games. Have any of you played legacy games? Yeah, I have a Legacy Risk. We never finished. Well, I've finished Legacy Risk. I haven't. I've also played, and we're in the uh, latter part of the Legacy Pandemic, but um, Legacy Risk is a great game because you get to alter the board. You get to change things, and the rules change as you play. What makes something qualify as a legacy game? Uh, you play it once, and then you just wasted your money. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, you're essentially adapting the game 
to the game that you're playing. So, like, if you nuke Kamchatka, you can't go into Kamchatka anymore, and that's part of the board yeah. forever and ever and yeah, ever. Yeah, and, like, you take a marker and you exit out and you put a sticker on it with yeah. a radiation zone. I mean, it's Or you're ripping up cards in the yeah, game. You you're literally cards. manipulating I mean, the game. it's a one-play thing, no, but I, multiple I actually sessions. came, when we played Risk in college, I came up with nuclear and Risk. And that's yeah. where I think that type of stuff started because I did the same thing. Oh, that frightens me. Yeah. But, uh, Greg, much like yourself, that first time when I was told by a legacy game, tear this card up and throw it away. I'm like, what the hell? No, I could not do that. <laughs> and I, then I, they're I like... Physically would probably become yeah. ill if I... Yeah, and then another that. one is, uh, mark on your board with a permanent marker this thing. <laughs> Just a throwback. The original Magic right. had when you lost, you fanned your deck out and your opponent took one of your cards at random. That would be tough. No, but once, I mean, magic card prices started to go up right away, mm-hmm. and nobody ever played that way. There was a card, too, that you tore yeah, up that and you dropped tore up. from Well, it didn't say to do that. It was any part of this card that touches another card on the table, that card is sent to the graveyard. So people would be like, hey, if I tear this card up and turn in confetti, yeah. I can get rid of everything. Yeah, I would actually yeah. like to show you, Greg, my legacy game. Uh, I'll show you sometime. Okay. And, and You get to name the countries your own name, and you get people who name stuff like you know you know really nasty stuff that you know i can't imagine (laughs) so um of course we've always got the ubiquitous party games but i don't mean party games like you know beer pong that type of stuff i'm talking games like cards against humanity and apples to apples and trivia pursuit my my kids that's still on the christmas list every year the newest cards against humanity i did quickly realize do not play cards against humanity with your children and their friends yeah really uncomfortable have you played cards against humanity i played a gen con this year and i can see where it gets uncomfortable real quick play it with someone who is like you know play it with your peer group your peer group yes do not play it with people who are you know uh your daughter's age or close to your daughter's age or friends of your daughter. I mean, it just gets really weird. It really does. Yeah, that would get weird quick. like watching a Netflix movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Super Fight, fall, that fall into this category too? Or? Oh, yeah, Super Fight's a great game. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, cool. Um, does anybody play Trivial Pursuit anymore? Not for years. Yeah. Not for a really long time. Remember when it was huge in the yeah. late the 80s, 80s yeah. and 90s? That was the party game. Um, yeah. Ian, my, my stepson, he memorized all the questions, all the cards. So oh, it was never any fun to play with Ian. Yeah. He's now still competing in Scholastic Bowl in college. Mm-hmm. So I guess it sort of stuck, but yeah. it was rather amusing to I play Trivial not, Pursuit with I would him. not want to play with him. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. I have a really nice Star Trek TOS Trivial Pursuit, which oh. literally no one would play with me because right. they're like, I would, why? I, would why? Do I can play with you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think I've got the same game. I've yeah, got a Star Trek. It was released from, yeah. the, it was from the 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Nobody would play because they'd be like, yeah. uh, "I do know Kirk." <laughs> yeah, I think we did. I think we did group play where it was they could share guesses, mm-hmm. and they were all playing against me, and they, they did win. <laughs> kind of an asymmetrical game, everybody yeah. against Greg. Yeah. So, uh, combat games. Uh, Jimmy's wearing uh, his ogre T-shirt right now, and what you, you can't see it here in the podcast, but it's basically it's you know it's got hexes on it, and it's got these little chits that have more numbers than anything else, and little bitty diagrams. C H I T chit. Chit. Yes, it doesn't have shit on it. It's got chit on it. Now, what were the series? They had like huge maps with chits, and it was World War Two. And I had one of them. The, the Avalon Hill. I mean, that's it. Might have been Ava- any but did Avalon GDW Hill. Did come out with 
big? <laughs> I think they may have. I mean, super detailed. Yeah. I played it a couple times as a teenager, and it was way more than yeah. I could handle at that stage in my life. When we talk about combat games, I'm talking about the stuff that, you know, um, you see these super uber grognards playing, and, you know, they're looking at little tiny square pieces of cardboard that are, what, yeah. three quarters of an inch square they've got about a dozen numbers on them oh. some small imagery and then they start referring to their 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 calculators to do things so um anybody play any asymmetrical type games and when i mean that it's like one versus many which is kind of a co-op but not quite anybody play an asymmetrical well, game? I, i'm gonna play conan eventually because yes, i own two copies so. and I, I put that on our list conan is one of those things where you have one person who is like the he's kind of the game master but he's also a player and he's manipulating the game for the players who are playing against him hmm. and it's a very interesting dynamic and it's uh it's quite a bit of fun it's like your fate and everybody's trying to exactly yeah. exactly and that's becoming kind of more of a, a big thing in board gaming um and then miniatures games, and that's our last one we're going to talk about. Miniatures game, that's super popular now. Um, you can't hardly find a game that doesn't have super detailed miniatures. Yeah, yeah, and they're really appealing. I've never really done miniature games other than I think X-Wing qualifies, I think, as a miniature yeah, game. Yeah, absolutely, X-Wing would be one. I played that with Eric once, and I think I played over Tom's once. Yeah, and now that uh, Jimmy is, uh, you know, uh, mainstreamed that type of game, he's probably going to be but, spending uh, all yeah. kinds and, of money and on it. And you look at the quality that they're producing now. I mean, the, the cheap labor from China that puts <laughs> these things together. <laughs> and 3D they, printers. They do such a fantastic job now. Oh, gosh, uh, yes. Back in the day, you know, we had to get the lead miniatures, yeah. you know, put a mask on and paint them, uh, yeah. or get lead poisoning. I, I remember ca- they I'd had like that em. casting kit that you could mm-hmm. order. Yes. Yeah, yeah with a little own. pan and, you know. You know now, yeah. like you said, we have 3D printers. We can get creative. We can make our own stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and painted miniatures. Yeah. I mean, everything was unpainted. Now you can get them painted. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, true. I had a good time at Gen Con just walking around on the, in the mini area, just, just I was just walking off my mouth open, hang, looking at the games and the miniatures and the size and the scope and the complexity of them, especially over in, like, in the 40K area. Right. And did yeah. you see in Gen Con where you can have the miniature 3D'd from your face? Oh, yeah. Uh, that's, I, I don't think I want that. That's such <laughs> we an don't want that interesting <laughs> thought, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was, there was a line for that. I mean, that was, a big it, was line. The, it was in the tunnel off onto the... Uh, under the stadium, and yeah, they were, you picked your body, and then they would stick your head mm-hmm. on your barbarian body. Which, um, And I'm finding with, I, I play a lot of these miniatures games, and I'm finding that they're not as rule-heavy as you might think they are. The miniatures are what they are bringing the people to the game table for. I mean, these beautiful miniatures and they're stuff. They're investment-heavy. Yes, they are very investment-heavy, and uh, Eric and I both have the Conan game, and I think you bought it primarily for the miniatures to use for your That's why I got plane. two copies, because I knew I was going to tear one apart for the miniatures. Yes. Well, um, and the latest one in the racing genre that I'm in is the Wacky Racers game is coming out. Really? There's a Wacky Racers and game? And the miniatures are awesome. awesome. And oh, they're wow. painted. I'm going to buy they it. They are painted? From, pre-painted? They are pre-painted. Oh, sweet. Uh, the game itself is kind of lame. It's for young children. But the miniatures for the next Formula Day game that I put together are going to be awesome. Embarrassingly enough, whenever I see like a Kickstarter, I always first thing I check what scale are the miniatures. Yeah, because yeah. then I'm like, can I can I take them and use them, and what do they look like? And, and I think I wonder if that doesn't go into some of their thought process when they're making these games. Like, do they want to make it usable and and uh, Gamer friendly for RPGers, Fun. or they like screw them, and we're going to make them thirty-two minutes. Funny two miniature minute. anecdote: my uh, uh, Trinity, uh-huh. my stepdaughter had a boyfriend, high school kid, and she 
brought him over and I was talking to him. She wanted to show him the game room. And of course, my game room is mostly D&D stuff, you know, but um, he's talking about, oh, my brother and I, we play uh, World War II miniature games. And I said, he said, uh, I'm really trying to put together, a, a, you know, a United States outfit. And of course, I reach under the table. I'm like, oh, really? Here, I have this one and this one. <laughs> and his eyes just went big. He's like, oh, my God. I'm like, yeah, I, I have a whole, you know, mechanized infantry company and in, in 28 millimeter for, for World War II. Nice. This is this guy's name and this is that guy's name. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's that's one of the things I always remembered about. Uh, I was always impressed with that um, at Winter War. Remember the guy with the Panzer Division? Yes, I think yes. we brought that up before. Oh yeah, he, he would to, come he, every year and set yep, that up. He would he would be the first one to show up, spend the whole weekend setting mm-hmm. it up. It would be it would sit there for what like an hour, and then he would start putting it away. Yeah, and it was it was it was amazing. Okay, one other type of game that is starting to come into the forefront are app based board games, and I don't know if any of you have played them. I have. I've invested in some. And uh, um, I really like it. I think it is something that's probably going to be necessary for uh, the future of board gaming. But beware, because if they cannot keep up with the OS updates, they're screwed. Oh, yeah. Mansions of Madness. Is that an app-based one? Yes. Awesome. Yeah? Interesting. Uh, It really brings you in with the music and with with the whole... Uh, tenor mm-hmm. of the gameplay. Uh, right. It's a favorite with my family. In fact, we're getting it out in, in about a month when the, uh, our cousins come to, to visit. Great. Okay, so that was probably more information you need to know about different types of games. And we've been kind of going a little long here, um, but uh, we all are gamers, role players, board gamers, everything. Why is gaming important to us? What is it about gaming that just keeps us coming back? I know it's kind of a philosophical type of thing. Yeah, would have been good to get that question ahead of time, Dean. But uh, <laughs> well, you yeah. did. It's called in the outline. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, everybody's got their thing, right? I mean, everybody works. Some for some people, work is their thing, right? They want yeah. to do. To me, I feel bad for those people, mm-hmm. right? And some people, football's their thing. You know, they play football. They then they watch football and they get you know happy and fat Fantasy on their couch. Football, yeah. You know, so. For me, game is just my thing. It is I your mean, thing. It's yes. just my, I, that's how I want to spend my leisure time. I like the people I hang out with for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and it, it's it's a good crowd. It's a good time. It keeps my brain going. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, that's important. So I think that's why I do it. Yeah, it's it's the escape aspect too. There's a little bit, you know, getting away from work and all that. And uh, and for me, it's always just it's an excuse to get together with other people. I mean, that's just what our, you know, I mean, my friends have always done. And that's, that's my social outlet. I mean, if I'm not gaming, I'm at home working or doing something. So that's, that's how I get out and do things. McGuire? You know, I think it's uh, the camaraderie we have, the laughs that we have, you know, instead of going to the bars just to drink, maybe we can play games and drink. But also, <laughs> when we, I'm finding this this new outlet for X-Wing uh, again, and I'm finding that it, it, it allows me to spend some time uh, researching and looking at something new and putting your noggin to work on how to make it your own game. And uh, rather than watching TV, uh, watching TV has become such a bore for me uh, that I think that these kinds of things, I'll buy a game just to read the directions and and kind of fantasize about how well it would be 
the, or how fun it would be to play if I could get the group together. Sounds so sad. Yeah, gaming gaming is more a sense of it's turning your brain on, whereas watching TV is shutting your brain down. There That's you go. true. And, and in a bigger, like, there's a resurgence of gaming right now in, mm-hmm. in this country. We're in the golden age That's of gaming. It told. is, and you people have heard me rail against Facebook, which is just toxic, right? I mean, there's... People just post stuff on Facebook that they would never say to a face to face. Yes. Right. And there's people who I have gamed with and had a great time with and then become Facebook friends and end up blocking their Facebook because I don't want to read about that. <laughs> they're great people. And while they're gaming, they're, they're great people. But for some reason, when you get that distance, even online gaming, when you're playing, you know, Counter-Strike or, you know, Fortnite or whatever you're playing, you know, people are swearing or calling each other names. Like, I don't need that, right. that, you know, in my life. I would rather sit down, even with people I don't agree with on a lot of aspects, we agree that we all love the game. Right. And that's absolutely it. That's, that, that's it for me. It's that sitting around a table face-to-face talking about the game you may be talking about a few other things, but it's that whole social aspect of that. So, and, um... I don't know. I guess maybe we've kind of, you know, beat the uh, the gaming horse topic to death here. Any uh, yeah, reduce la- your movement speed by two. Your yeah. horse died. Yeah. Oh gosh. Well, let's, not, let's not forget too. It's a great way to meet girls. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Actually, I just read something um, about attendance. I, I don't think it was an official number, but somebody threw out forty percent. Um, of con attendees are now female, which is way different <laughs> yeah. than it was when we oh, started Oh, yes. And I do believe that in terms of the business of gaming, uh, both video gaming and board gaming and, and role-playing gaming, that the women have us by a couple of percents. Yeah. They think it's like about 52% of the business of gaming. Yeah, things have balanced out. Yes, they have very well balanced out, and I love it. I love playing games with my daughter and my wife and and, and other uh, female friends of mine because I think they bring a different aspect to the table. So well, Maybe we need to break that back and say it's a great place for girls to meet awesome guys. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, I think that's about enough of that. So, um, Greg, you want to take us out? Yeah, if you want to uh, pop in and tell us about your board gaming experiences or uh, make comments on ours, you can uh, find us on Facebook, uh, where, where we are the Grognards. Uh, you can uh, check out our, uh, send us a Twitter message, at tgrognards. And on Instagram, we are the underscore grognards. And our old school email, gamersatthegrognards.com. Okay, I want to really thank Jimmy McGuire for coming all the way up from uh, south of Springfield, Illinois, to join us in the studio. And uh, Glad to be here. Yeah, you, you add a lot. You add a lot to it. So um, for the Grognards, I'm Dean Geiken. I'm Eric Hawley. I'm Greg Ziegler. I'm Jimmy McGuire. Game on.